With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. You're listening to Turf Show Radio. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. John Austin, and a nickel pack to Tampa Bay. Johnson, took early. Down the sideline, Corey. And knocked out of bounds, but airs it out. Oh, he drops it in the bucket. Kenny Britt is gone. Touchdown. Give it to Gurley. Gurley extending to the goal line. Touchdown. Todd Gurley. That puts him at 1,000 yards on the button in his rookie season. And now, here's your host. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to an all-new episode of Turf Show Radio. The Rams have acquired a couple of players and released Tim Barnes, uh, as well as acquiring a boy that we talked about last night, our, our uh, man, a guy that both you and I really like, uh, Robert Woods. They got him. Uh, what was the total on that one, Myson? Who, who was the other player, and what was the total on Robert Woods? Who was the left they, tackle? They, they, they got thirty man and a half for Woods. By the way, I'm Myson. I'm going to be joining him tonight. But <laughs> but, but they, they got me every night. My bad. My bad. That was <laughs> <laughs> they got Robert Woods for thirty nine and a half, and then they also was able to get Andrew Whitworth, which. Andrew Whitworth, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about. Robert Woods, we'll see. But Andrew Whitworth, I'm absolutely thrilled about. He was one of the guys I was really, really hoping they could have. I didn't think they were even going to go after him, to be perfectly honest, because that's just the Rams thing. You know, when you, when you have a great, great, uh, when you have a really good um, free agent, it seems like they've shot away from those guys and going after the questionable guys. They they went and got a really, really, really good uh, free agent today. So Andrew Whitworth, I'm thrilled about I'm looking forward to see what Robert Woods is going to bring. Yeah, and uh you know with uh with Whitworth it 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 basically cements what we know and is really whatever I did at the beginning of the episode forgetting to introduce you is undone <laughs> by the fact that Greg Robinson will no longer be the left tackle of the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> I, I, right. 
that that that's news in mute that is. It's been a long time coming. It has been. It has been. Um, but you know what though? As we have also said on this podcast, it likely means that he will move to guard. Which look, I still feel like Robinson's a competent guy. I feel like left task left tackle was asking too much of him. And what he could get away with at Auburn, you can't get away with at the left tackle position in the NFL. Now, at guard, that's a different story. Um, I feel like Greg Robinson might actually go on to become a very productive guard. Um, Maybe one or two Pro Bowls. I I think he's got the time. And I think that if he's paired along somebody with a veteran presence like Whitworth – that's going to be the key, right? That's I mean, a rising tide floats all boats, and that's sort of what's been lacking with this Rams offensive line. They don't have somebody on it, a true anchor, a guy that you, a guy you're excited about in Whitworth. They didn't have that true anchor on the offensive line, and this is a guy who, even at his advanced age, has still had a couple of Pro Bowl seasons in the past couple of years. So we're talking about a guy that's still keeping Andy Dalton clean and was graded, I believe, by Pro Football Focus as the third best available. Yeah. I mean, when you you hear about a guy getting kicked down to the inside, you know, I think the, uh, the prototype example is Robert Gallery. You know, you have this guy who came out much like Greg Robinson, really blew people away at the combine. I think he ran a four eight eight or something like that. And he was like six, seven, three hundred and thirty five pounds or something crazy, you know, really just blew everyone away with his athleticism. Man that every, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and everyone looked at him and was just like, man, this dude is a freak of nature. I can't wait to see him at tackle. Then he gets to the NFL and. You know, guys are just running past him and stuff, and he's just not a good fit at tackle until he gets to, I think it was the Seahawks, they kicked him inside. You know, the Raiders draft him, then he gets kicked inside, and out of nowhere, he becomes an all-pro. You know, so that's what I think anyone is going to be hoping for when you're uh, rooting for Greg Robinson or rooting for the Rams. You know, you're looking for him to become something that maybe not, you, you maybe uh, maybe maybe a stretch of an imagination to say maybe the next Robert Gallery, but something along those lines where you go to the inside and you have more success there. The issue is um, Greg Robinson's biggest problems, it hasn't necessarily been blocking. Like, blocking has hurt him. He's given up pressures. He's given up sacks and things like that. But his bigger, biggest issues have been just mental mistakes, not coming off of the snaps. Just the ball is snapped. He's still in his stands thinking about what he has to do or, you know, penalties. I can't, I can't even count how many times a big play came back on a penalty. That's kind of why I feel like the move inside, the reduction in responsibilities will allow him, will free up his mind to focus on the other parts of his game because mentally he was not able to process all of those things that you need to do at once to be a cornerstone left tackle. This is true. Now that's not to say that it has anything to do with him being him or, 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 you know, look, man, it's hard. Very few people do it at an all pro level. The thing is, 
if he's moved inside alongside somebody who has that experience doing it, even if it's a sham, whatever the Pro Bowl is, look, the guy's still got a couple to his name and has done so by keeping Dalton vertical. He, he's a guy that knows how to anchor a line, and he's also a guy who knows how to be a mentor. So you have that brought in, and all of a sudden, Greg Robinson, if you move him to left guard, you put him alongside him, and all of a sudden, Greg Robinson is freed up to do those things I was talking about, but you also give him the chance to learn. And I'm not saying that you necessarily ever move him back, but the guy, you know, Whitworth isn't going to give you, like, nine more years. I just, you know, he's an offensive lineman. No, absolutely he's not. He's in his he's in his mid thirties, close to early still, I guess. You know, he's thirty three, a little bit younger than I am. So, um, he's he's probably you know only got about two three years in him maximum. Uh, so there's going to come a time where the Rams need to address that position again. Now, I, I, I'm not saying you move Robinson back there, but at least he would have had somebody playing alongside him that whole time who could have taught, who could teach him how to do it in the event that he had to for a game or two. And then within that time, you draft somebody that you feel more comfortable with eventually taking over after Whitworth moves on or retires. Because one would assume... Though you can't be for certain because he may be, you know, just a spe- he's played full season. So whatever, yeah, whatever he does, he 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 keeps himself in NFL shape. So you know, you know, the the interesting thing about it is I've heard so many people just in four hours or what five hours, whatever it's been since it was announced. You know, I've heard so many people make the comparison to Jake Long. Um, because of the age, you know, because of the position, you know, that they're, they're older tackles, you know, Jake Long, I think when he came over, he was 30 or something like that. And, you know, he had this injury history, but the difference is Jake Long came over and he wasn't playing his best football. You know, he played his best football in his first two or three seasons. He got to the Rams in season six or whatever it was, season seven, and he wasn't playing his best football. He was hurt. He wasn't the same player. And I think that people were hoping that he could re- recapture what he once was. Whereas Andrew Whitworth, he's been this player for a while now, you know, and he doesn't have that injury history, you know. So I think the comparison is really unfair to him because it's almost like when you get when you get out of a bad relationship and then you take everything that happened in that bad relationship, you take it out on the next person that shows you interest. It's not really fair, you know, and I think that's kind of what's happening with uh, Andrew Whitworth right now. Like uh, people are really, really making that comparison and he's done nothing to earn that, earn that comparison. <laughs> right. Right. You know, people, people just see old and they assume, you know, apples to apples, oranges to oranges, and it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, different guys can do different things at different points in their career because they, you know, are ageless or, you know, versus other guys who, you know, have to like Mariano Rivera, that dude pitched into you know what was in his 40s. The guy, and, and, and here's the thing he did that with, 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 a, with, a, with a pitch that everybody knew the cutter was coming, and he like the guy's still a legend, you know. I mean, just because a guy is old 
doesn't mean he's ineffective. And right now the Rams are getting at left tackle, I think, an extremely good value, especially when you look at the ludicrous offer that Khalil got at $55 million. Holy <laughs> crap! Okay, let's just let's just paint this picture for a second. Yeah, let's go. Matt Khalil and Russell Okun are going to make more money than Andrew Whitworth, who's coming off of two All Pro seasons in the last three three uh, last three years, and has finished ranked as the top in the top five left tackles for I think four years straight now. How <laughs> the Rams, if anything. Got a steal. <laughs> like, if you really want to paint the whole picture, the Rams, they're all, they're paying an average an annual salary of twelve million dollars. These guys are walking away with fifteen and sixteen million dollars. <laughs> the Rams came away on top. If you ask right, me, right? And Okun gave up. I think uh, he he was second in the NFL in giving up pressures and sacks. Like there was only yeah. one other tackle ahead of him worse than him however you want to label it um in terms of pressures so so but 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 the rams went the opposite direction like they did something really damn good and then they followed that up with a move that you're iffy about um ben albright told us last night you know that was exactly the tier we were looking at we brought yeah. up the possibility of Robert Woods coming back to the Coliseum playing. And, uh, look, I think that he will fit in better with McVay's offense than, than what he was asked to do in Buffalo. But, uh, look, it's not exactly like he was dog crap in Buffalo. He didn't – the problem with Robert Woods is that people look at UFC receivers in college, right? I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> and, and they have this imagination of what they're going to be. And, mm-hmm. and you, some of USC's best guys, Steve Smith, Dwayne Jarrett, these guys are, you know, prolific receivers in college. They're possession receivers in the NFL. And you you see the, the Juju Smith-Schusters of the world who – in, 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 you know, should they, they, they light people up with their physicality and then they get to the NFL and, and they're just jammed at the line, they're shut down, they don't, they don't look, they look a shell of them, their former selves. And it's because what you're asked to do in college, <clears throat> what you're able to do in college and how you're able to get away with it. You know how they talk about, they talk about, they tell guys going into college, like that crap you can get away with in high school and you can't do it. In, yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. College. Yeah. Well, that crap you can do in college, you can't get away with in the NFL. True. You know, you need to be, you need to be, in addition to your physicality, you need to be precise with your routes. You need to be on top of it with your mental game. You know, and I'm not ripping on anyone in particular here. I'm just saying these are all of the tools and the traits that you need to have. And I think a lot of people felt that Robert Woods, when he was drafted by Buffalo, that they were thinking he was going to be that guy that he really never was at USC. People have this imagination of Robert Woods, and he was a damn good receiver, but he was injured a lot, man. And and you can only gain so much momentum. Like, he, he had his games where he was an impact guy, 
And then he had games when he was injured where he was a liability for SC because he would insist the ball go to him. But, it, you know, they, they were, I remember one critical third night in that situation. They went to him and he dropped it and wasn't feeling the best that day. Now, it looks like health-wise, correct me if I'm wrong, he seems to be okay at that end at Buffalo. Wrong. <laughs> he okay. still has had... He still had these uh, foot issues um, that's but, been bothering but, him. But what, are, but, but what are we talking about here? Because, I mean, I'm talking like he would miss, like, critical game stretches. Well, no. I mean, in his four years, I think he's missed, like, seven games or something like okay. that. Okay. I, I, dude, I would think that that's, that's for a guy that but, had an injury history coming out of college, that's yeah. actually pretty surprising. No, 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 no. I agree 100%, you know, uh, that – he hasn't been missing the games, but the lingering issue is kind of has hampered him. Now, with that being said, um, I don't really look at Robert Woods and think, oh, explosive receiver or top-notch possession receiver or anything. I wouldn't even put him in my top 15 possession receivers. You know, um, I, I don't, I don't see it. And he's not an overly explosive receiver, you know, um, his 40 time at the combine, which is why I tell people don't, I don't really get too caught up in it now that I've gotten older, <laughs> you know, when I was younger, it's like, Oh yeah, he's really moving. But as you get older, you realize the 40 doesn't really mean nothing unless it truly translates to the game. For example, you look at John Ross, he just ran a four, two, four. Well, you watch him on tape. It looks like he's running a four, two, four, you know, that's his game speed. Not everyone's 40 is their game speed. You know, Robert Woods was a four or five guy, but in game, he looks like he's a four or six guy. You know, um, he's just he's not a really explosive receiver. And uh, his career average to this point for yards per catch is somewhere around 11 yards per catch. You know, so he's a true possession receiver. He's going to stay within that eight to 15 yard range that he's going to be making his receptions. No, he's not crap, though. It's not crap at all. No, 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 no. It's not crap. He's averaging a first down a catch. Any any receiver that does that for you, I'm okay with. Exactly. It's not crap at all. I thought you were going to hit me with, like, Mark Ingram and his first couple year numbers. No, 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 no. See, that's not the issue. Like, I don't don't not like Robert Woods. I just think that he's more of the same. I, don't, I think he's more of the same. I don't think he's some oh, okay. savior or anything like that. You know, I think I don't think he's a number one receiver at all. You know, and I think he's not stating that he is. Well, I think he's best suited as a number three, a guy like a slot number three guy that you can throw in there and be Mr. Reliable type of guy. One of my serious questions to you is how do you feel him? I know that you wouldn't have him in your top 15 possession receivers, which are normally your number twos. I was going to say, but how do you feel him about him as a number three? Like if you have him. No, I think he's solid as a number three. Behind a Tavon Austin and maybe a Pharaoh Cooper. If, if, if McVeigh per, you know, uh, uh, per Albright last night really likes these young receivers and feel that they can be come in and contribute right away. I assume it'd probably be somebody like a Pharaoh Cooper or maybe Nelson Spruce. I don't know. Okay, uh, two things. I think a lot of people, um, well, first off, let me answer your first question. As far as like w- what I think he is uh, as a number three, I think he can be like a top notch number three receiver. Um, 
if you have yourself a, a legitimate number one, a quality number two, I think that Robert Woods would tear a team up. <laughs> you know, coming out of the slot as a third read, I think he would tear some defenses up. Um, I just think that as far as being a number two option, I think he's kind of the lower tier number two receiver. You know, that lower tier top of the line number three. You know, he's that, that on the on that uh, that borderline there. Um, but I, in no way whatsoever do I think he's going to save the Rams' pass game or anything like that, which I think is what pe- a few people well, are kind of uh, touting him as. You know, if, if he's a tear it up number three, he could end up saving the Rams' passing game now. <laughs> like, you can't you can't say one thing and then say the other. If he's tearing it up as a number three, that means but he's- but. But I also said to do that, you have to have a legitimate number one and a quality number two, and there's he would still, tear it up. Still a draft. Yeah, there is definitely still a draft, which I, which I'm going to mention here in a minute because uh, there's some interesting things I've been thinking about that could very well play out. But um, as far as the second part of your question or, or your statement there, um, I think that people are really overlooking Mike uh, Mike Thomas. Um, you know, he doesn't get mentioned. Nelson Spruce gets mentioned before Mike Thomas. Nelson Spruce was undrafted. Nelson Spruce was was even playing during the season. Um, a couple of things I liked about Mike Thomas coming out was his toughness, his ability to get behind defenders, and his ability to make tough catches. Now, he didn't get a lot of playing time at receiver until the end of the season. And even then it wasn't a lot. It was just a few plays, a few, few series here and there. Um, and then the, because he didn't get a lot of time, that one chance he had to really make a play on that deep pass when he dropped it, that's what sticks out in everyone's head. But that one play has somehow transpired into he drops all the passes, <laughs> you know, that, and that's what it's become. He drops all the passes. He drops all the passes. Um, I actually liked him uh, coming out. He was someone that I scouted late. Um, but when I really started to look at him, I liked him a lot. And something that really stood out to me as a pro is on special teams, he was absolutely rolling. <laughs> like his ability as a gunner to beat the press coverage to the point that they started to slide the blocking to his side, that he was getting double teamed every game and he was still beating the press coverage on cover on, on a punt. Still beating both guys off the line, getting downfield and making the tackle shows you his ability to get behind defenders. Like he was not even close to them. It was always a gap. He was just beating them senseless. And you really have to be able to get off of the line as a receiver to really excel in the as a gunner. And that's what he proved. That, that's what he showed regularly. And on that deep pass that he dropped, he did that exact same thing. I actually believe that Mike Thomas has a brighter future than Farrah Cooper and all those other guys right can, now looking, looking at it. I can it, I really get aboard that. that bus. I can yeah, I definitely that believe that. <laughs> um, if anybody is going to benefit from a, a, a better passing attack and the offense that Sean McVay brings, I think that it could be Mike Thomas. Um, I think that he's being grossly overlooked here. You know, so I just want to throw that out because I know that there's a lot of people that when you talk about the young receivers and what what big vague coming in could mean. I hear everyone talk about Higby, who, if anyone recalls last year, I was obsessed with coming out. I thought he was the second best tight end in the draft. thought that he was a great steal to get in the fourth round. I was excited they got him in the fourth round. But 
Everyone talks about Higby. Everyone talks about Cooper. Everyone talks about Spruce, who I will never understand why his hype train is so ridiculously over the top. But, you know, you hear all this talk about these guys that somehow Mike Thomas is kind of lost in the, in the shuffle there. And I think that he needs to be talking about And you about know what? Him. It frustrates me because I actually agree with you. And yet, I still forgot him. That's sort of how forgettable Mike Thomas is, in a way. Exactly. It doesn't it's make that, a lot of sense, that, does it? You know, like you say that, and I'm like, damn, man, I forgot about Mike Thomas. And yeah, actually, I would have him ahead of all of them. Um, look, I, uh, you know what? I could complete completely see a one, two, three of Mike Thomas, Tavon Austin, not Mike Thomas being the one, but. Yeah, I get you. Tavon Austin, Mike Austin, or Mike Thomas, and 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 Robert Woods. No, I, I get you, hundred percent. I I definitely think that. Uh, I think it's a legitimate possibility that that's what we could see. I mean, we have to remember, Sean McVay did not draft these guys. He has no commitment to when you were drafted or none of that. You know, he can no. literally come in and say, "You're the guy that I think is the best one to do what I want you to do." He's not tied to the hip and so on because this guy was a fourth round pick and this guy was a sixth round pick or anything like that. He literally could just come in and say, "Okay, you, I think you do this better than the other guys, so you're going to play." You know, uh, there's no draft position that makes him feel committed to it. Um, that has to be included into the equation when you're really thinking about what what to expect from these guys. I think that as far as after Tavon Austin. It's a wide open. It's a fair shot for everybody. You know, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because Farrell Cooper doesn't really bring a lot to the table. Um, he's not really that fast. His quickness is only above average. He's not like Tavon Austin quick or anything like that. You know, he's not overly powerful. He's just a, he's a guy that may that may develop into a solid slot receiver. That's it. Fair enough. And, uh, you know, uh, do you want to spend time talking about the cutting of Tim Barnes? Like, <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you go ahead and take. Oh, the five, Barnes. The fi- I'll let you take the five minute segment on this one. Go. Yeah, I'm not spending five minutes on this. <laughs> I'm going to say, Barnes, it's been real. You know, I love your effort. I love your tenacity. <laughs> but I love the, the ability to recover fumbles. But. It was time. <laughs> you know, it was definitely time. Always loved his effort. I will definitely say that. And I will say that Tim Barnes was a player who you could you can look at some guys and see that some guys got better. And I think he got better, but he still wasn't good enough. A Tim Barnes is a backup that was starting for three years and that just shouldn't happen. So time to move on. Yep. Not taking five minutes on that. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm just gonna say yep. He it was it was one of those, you know some guys just got a lot of games too many at positions in, in some cases under the Fisher era. And the fact that these are among the first moves made by the new regime Really, it, it, it lends credence to fan frustrations throughout the year, I think. Um, the, the new staff came in and re- immediately recognized that Greg Robinson was not a left tackle and Tim Barnes is not a center. You know, um, now Bate on here is saying that he doesn't think the Rams pick up uh, 
the fifth-year option <clears throat> on Greg Robinson. Uh, I challenged his point. I absolutely think if they pick up the fifth-year option on him, I think they would be fools not to. Um, he, he's really? Still got, yeah, yeah. He, he Bates just well. I mean, he just saying he doesn't think they do. So you think they should? Uh, yeah. Why? On Greg Robinson to move him to yeah. guard? Yeah. Why? No. Why? Why do you think they should pick up the fifth year option? Why wouldn't you? I mean, it's really kind of it's a major risk. That's a lot of money. Where, where, <laughs> yeah, but what I'm Greg saying Robinson is- was the number two overall pick, so his average isn't going to be like. If he was, you know, the number 25 overall pick, you know, you're talking about paying him a lot of money, (laughs) a lot of money um, for one year. I mean, his contract coming uh, when he first came out, you know, I think was like 26 million or something like that. He'll get more than half of that for one year. (laughs) Um, And this is a guy who to this point has been horrible <laughs> you know you know and he, he's going inside for because you don't get you don't get to make that you don't get to make that decision after you see how he performs and go you have to make that decision in the next two months you know so that's a that's a risky risky move <laughs> look honestly i i think i think that there's going to be a lot of discussion and this is what it's going to come down to the rams don't have a host of picks um and coming by guards uh, you could go through in free agency and pick one up, but you're going to have to bring him in, train him to your system, hope that he is. And at the end of the day, um, I don't know what guards are going for these days, but you know, when you're in a position where you have all the leverage, which would be the case with any guard the Rams went after if they released Robinson, um, I don't know. I just I I feel like they've already invested enough into him. It's one more year, but I can also see it going both ways. Look, I won't be surprised if they don't, but I think that they will because they have so few picks and you're and you're cutting linemen already. You're already calling the hurt right now. You know, we're talking about next year. I understand that. I understand that. But you also don't have any idea how that lineman that you're going to draft in the upcoming draft, because we know they're going to, you have no idea how he's going to perform. They get, let's say they get Pat Elfline. Mm-hmm. He goes belly up. Look, yep. now you got now you got to go back in and you got to get another guy. And and at the end of the day. You know what you have with Greg Robinson. You know what Ah, you but have. you don't. That's yes. the key. But, you but, don't. Listen, but, you don't know what you have because exactly what you just said is it's the exact same case. The only difference is he's going to be a lot more expensive than if you got one of the young guys coming out of the draft. You're talking about putting a tag on him or putting a, 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 a accepting an extra year with that's probably going to be somewhere in the range of $14 million, Okay. That paying him fourteen million dollars for one year at a position that you've yet to even experiment and know what you're going to get—that's the same exact thing that you just said about the draft pick. You don't know what you're going to get. Whereas you can get this guy, and his entire yes, contract, okay, okay. his okay. entire contract will be less than fourteen million dollars. That's, that's, that's a that's a, 
that's a bit of a false equivalency because Greg Tackle or Greg Robinson, Greg Tackle, he's never ever been known by that nickname in his life, <laughs> and he never will be. <laughs> Greg, Greg Gard, on the other hand, GG. There you go. <laughs> that has a ring to it. <laughs> So, Gigi has NFL experience underneath his belt. Look, I I truly believe that an offensive line coach who who knows what he's looking at, who knows the the strengths and weaknesses of his guys, who's assessed it, who's looked at the film and say, you know what, I can work with this guy as a left tackle, man. Look. The, the Rams already made the assessment with Barnes. They already made the assessment with Robinson to move him inside. But I do think there will be at least internal discussions about picking up the fifth-year option because you still know what he can do at an NFL level. Now, he's not been a great left tackle, but that doesn't mean he can't play football at the NFL. The guy, Pat Elfline, you've never seen him play a down in the NFL. The guy coming up, he's never played a down in the NFL. He's never faced NFL adversity. Look, and I'm not saying that Robinson has a history to where you would point and go, well, here's the adversity he's overcome. Look, this is a guy that by hook or by crook has remained in his position for four years. And and you know what? He's got that experience. You move him inside. You give him a bit, maybe a bit different uh, responsibility along the offensive line. Free him up to use maybe more of his strength. Pair him with a guy that's got the knowledge to play the position at left tackle. Hope that the center you're drafting is competent because maybe they'll probably have to go out and try and get a center. Um, I, I don't really, I don't really know if there are any on the market, but uh, you know, it's, it's, that's one of the reasons they've been connected to elf line in the draft so much is because, well, they, that everybody knew Tim Barnes's days were numbered. So, I just don't know if you want to have such a drastic overhaul to your line. I think coming in, you already have so few picks. You have so little money, and you already have guys like, look, you're going to lose Tremaine Johnson in some way or shape or form next year. You know, like Mm -hmm. if you don't get an extension done to restructure his contract in the middle of the year, it's just not going to happen. Like, so I, I don't know, man. Like I, I think we spent too much time talking about Greg Robinson, but my my only thought is why can't you say everything that you just said? Because it's still the same thing about a rookie. You know, have the coach who can look at a guy and say he has the skills that I can work with. You because know? I think there's a difference of looking at a guy playing against guys with NFL strength, watching watching him diagnose NFL coverages, what he does get right, what he doesn't get right. It's not the same thing as college. Look, he didn't have the responsibilities of a center, but he probably had the second most responsibility on that Rams line. There's enough for an NFL coach to go in there and say, okay, I know this guy can do this, this, and this at the NFL level. 
That's the key statement there. That's what you can say that you cannot say about the other guys. I'm not saying it's an awe-inspiring reason to extend the guy. I am just offering what would be considered... Uh, in in the parlance of our uh, 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 of, of our job, offering up a logical explanation as to why they might exercise the fifth year option. Okay, I don't agree, but we'll move on. <laughs> like I said, I could see it both ways. Yeah, yeah, I can see it both ways, man. I get what you're saying. That never dying faith. <laughs> it's uh, always a chance, you know. I try to be optimistic. <laughs> never would have pegged you as an op- optimistic guy. <laughs> I, try, I try to be. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yep. Yeah, anyway, uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, what do we have left? Um. Uh, well, we still have positions of need, frankly. Uh, you maintain that the Rams need a primary receiver. I kind of yes. think they're going to stick with what they have. Oh, well, 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 them needing a primary receiver and what they will do are two, two different things. Okay, okay, all right. Then let's drift so, into the what they will do discussion. So carry on. Okay, so I, I, I wholeheartedly believe this. Now, a part of me is, you know, hoping something like this happens because I think at this point everyone knows how high on him I really am. But I'm starting to believe that there's a chance that it could happen. Um, When you look at the draft, um, there's a couple of receivers I think it'll be very hard for the Rams to pass on. But none other that none bigger, you know, to pass harder to be hard pass on than Corey Davis. Um, Coming into the draft season, he wasn't, you know, towards the end of the college season, he wasn't a guy that everybody was talking about a lot. You know, I was really, really, really enjoying watching him at this point. And I knew that, you know, once the season ended, you know, scouts already know, (laughs) you know, they know already. But the media, the rest of the world, they don't always uh, promote guys that much during the season. It's after the season when they're able to watch some guys and talk to some scouts and then they get a little more popular. Corey Davis is one of those guys where scouts have already liked and now he's gaining popularity. But now that popularity is starting to slip a little bit, from my understanding. Um, and it's because of the fact that he got hurt. Um, because he got hurt, and then he wasn't, he was, he was never attending on going to the senior bowl. Then he got hurt in training. So he turned down a senior bowl invitation. He got hurt in training. And now he's now he had to get surgery on his ankle, and he's gonna be out for some months, I believe about six months. And ultimately, he's not gonna be able to work out for any team. Coming from a smaller school, it's a huge deal. However, <laughs> it's causing the you know word is it's causing him to slip, and he may not end up being a top fifteen, top twenty pick. He could very well slide to the twenties or even the early second round. If Corey Davis is available, even in the twenties, I think the Rams would have to consider a trade up for him. Um, if he's available there in the second round, I don't think there's any way possible you could let him go by considering that finding finding someone with the ability to be that true number one receiver is still a huge need for this Rams team. Um, you look at the, you look at Sean McVay's offense and you look at what he did in Washington. He, he used Pierre Garçon as a number one receiver. 
and Pierre Garçon ret- returned on the investment. You know, it, it worked for those two. Pierre Garçon had uh, a lot of success catching a lot of balls. Deshaun Jackson was more so the big play guy. That, if he's going to be out six months, he's not going to be playing in, in the first part of September anyhow. Well, no, he this injury took place in January, so he'll be ready in the summertime. You know, he'll be ready come June, you know. Roger. Um, he yeah, just you know, won't be able to go through the workouts with any teams. Okay, okay. He'll he'll miss rookie minicamp, but then come OTAs, he'll be ready to go. You know, so he's gonna miss the workouts and everything. Now, rumor has it he had some good he had some good interviews at the combine with some teams, but teams are really wanting to see him work out. You know, because his tape is really explosive. But he's a small school guy. They don't they don't temper, they don't get the love that other schools, you know, the SEC and the Pac the Pac Ten and Pac Twelve, you know, those schools get. You know, they don't get that same type of love unless they have a great career in college, then blow away their pre their 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 combine and pro days and things like that. That's when they start to move up. So that so there's rumblings that he could very well slide in the draft. I think it would be very hard for the Rams to pass that opportunity up. Um, they would, they would, they really should think long and hard before handing in that card if he is there available, either at the pick in the second round, or even if it's just moving up to, you know, moving up ten picks to pick him. I think there's something that would have to be considered. Yep, that is a solid and logical assessment. I award you five plus points. All right, I'm moving up in the world now. <laughs> All right, so um, where do the Rams go from here? What do you What do you want to see next? You, you know, maybe they're not done. They still have a little bit of money to play with. We tell you, we know from Ben last night that the Rams. He said that as the Rams currently sit, they really only need to set aside about five million for 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 all. Guaranteed money for all the rookie contracts that that, right. that they'll what they'll sign. So the Rams still have a little bit of money to play with. You would assume that they're going to make a few more moves in free agency. What out there attracts you? Um, is there something you want to see done? Uh, you know, where where should the Rams go from here? Because I know that's that's what fans want to know. Every time you bring in a couple players, it's like, all right, so who are we getting next? You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Especially when you you go out and you get the number one left tackle on the market. And after Kevin Zeeler, you can definitely make the argument that he was the number one, two overall lineman on the market. <laughs> you know, him and Kevin Zeeler, his teammate in Cincy, were the two guys – that I said, you know, on the, our staff and our staff uh, discussion about who they should go after. Those are my number one and one A and one B guys that I said they have to go after these guys. It's Kevin Zeeler and Andrew Whitworth. They were the they were the one and two linemen in, in the free agency. They got one of them. Then they turned around. And they got Robert Woods, who I mean, like I said, he I think he's a solid receiver. Uh, I don't think he's your he's your number one going to change your passing game, but he's a solid receiver. He's definitely an upgrade to the receiver corp. He's better than Brian Quick. I'll give you that much. Spelled you know, with so- two D's for a dose <laughs> of his pimping pleasure. Exactly. You know, so uh, they they they've started off uh, well. Now the issue is when you when you look at how well they've started off. Where you have to ask yourself, well, what else can they do if they? What else could they do if they have more money? Because it looks like 
whatever this staff has cooking, free agents are free agents are interested. <laughs> you know, they're buying it because they're they're pulling in quality. Um, the problem is they don't have any money. <laughs> you know, they they just use all the money they had on two players. Now um, they can still make some cuts. Uh, Lance Kendricks, Eugene Sims. You know, those guys are all. Uh, they're, they're expendable right now, especially if the right, uh, if you're able to get the right guy to bite and you need to create that space. Um, I would definitely think that there would be something that they would start to consider. I, I, like, you hardcore. know who I'm huge, huge on? Who? Eagles just cut Connor Barwin. We're only paying him around, I think it was like between six or eight million dollars. And mm-hmm. uh, look, he you know, knows Wade's system from, from Houston. The guy, you know, he can be productive. You know, uh, it fills a position of need, does it on the cheap, and the guy is just absolutely dedicated to living in the community, which is something that is paramount to the Rams organization. Like... <clears throat> They live to give back to the community, and we've talked about that on this show with the Rams. That they're one of the teams that walks the walk and, and you know talks the talk and walks the walk when it comes to to, mm-hmm. to being there for the community. And so having a guy like that on the team that already fits the mold of what you do enough can't be said for that, especially when it's an ex player that a coach already had who knows what he can do and knows he fits his system. So. It's cheap. It's a great fit. Um, I think it solves a couple of problems because that you like you said the the, the cuts that are coming are going to be more guys that are on the D line, right? Guys yeah. that are just not healthy. Guys that are turning fifty. It's it is it is what it is. So, um, I, I don't know. Uh, that that would be the one name that I've latched onto and tweeted about a couple times today. I would say, you know, with the Rams defense, because I, I, I know I think it really depends on who you talk to. Um, some people will say, oh, there, there's not as many holes as people think. Some people will say there's more than what people think. I'm on the I'm on the side that there's more holes than people are giving it credit for. Um, I believe that when you when you're making that switch to a three four a lot from a four three, and it's the only it's the only defense you've lined up in for 20 years 25 years this is all you've lined up in this defense every player on this defense is built for the 4-3 when you're making that switch you really have to uh you really have to bring in some new talent i think guys like um lorenzo alexander and dayton jones or uh zach brown um, those those guys, those pass rushers and linebackers are guys that you really need to consider, especially since they won't cost you $50 million. You know, you, Zach Brown, in my personal opinion, is a top 30, 35 free agent available this year. You know, he he's had a very good season. He's one of those guys who came on a little late in his career, but he's, he's kicking now. And I believe that you can get him signed for $4 million a year. You know, so... He's someone that I think that they should consider. He's a great fit. Um, I, I mentioned Dayton, jo- Dayton Jones. I think that he'd be a really good fit as a pass rusher. So would Lorenzo Alexander, a savvy veteran. You know, those guys are guys I, I personally would consider when you're thinking about, you know, who can we bring in to really upgrade this team and 
won't cost an arm and a leg, you know, sort of that second tier almost of uh of of players to really uh to really jumpstart this this new three four that you're bringing to the table because it's gonna take some adjustment and some adjusting some adjusting and you're gonna need those guys who have experience playing in this sort of system. Um, I, I know that they're gonna really try to make it a, a hybrid three four to where they play a lot of over and stack to give it more of a four three feel. But at the end of the day, the guys that's on the field are gonna be guys on the field that's meant to play the three four, not the four three. No matter how you line them up, they're still gonna have the three four edge rushers. <laughs> you know, you're still gonna have the backers who's used to playing con- consolidated in the box and not running freely and sprinting forty yards downfield, <laughs> uh, straight downfield in a zone coverage like you do in the three four in the four three. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they uh, can maneuver, create some more space, and uh, try to go after some guys. Right now, I'm truly believing that. Um, just looking at how uh, they kind of started the free agency and what they've really jumped out to, I think they're really focused on the offense in free agency, and it's looking like they're come draft time they're going to go defense. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how the next couple of days go because I don't think they're done. I think some guys are going to get cut. I think some contracts are going to get reworked. Some money's going to get moved around, and they're going to create a little space and they're going to try to go after a few more guys. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if about th- about two or three more guys were signed over the next couple of days. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Actually, I was thinking basically about the same thing i i think that all the positions you mentioned are positions of need um the 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 rams aren't even gonna mess about um and and uh try and bring in a cornerback they're gonna address that in the draft and it's cornerback heavy so they'll be able to do that um you know though funnily enough wouldn't you know it the rams can't get rid of that contract (laughs) you know they just i can't stress how annoyed i am with the way they have handled tremaine johnson with the way they've handled the secondary as a whole (laughs) you know i I know it's last year they let a pretty damn good secondary go just yeah like if they if if jeff fisher did unless the did anything right in their time together it was put together a really good secondary you know the one issue i ever had with the, and i've said i've said this from the very beginning because from the from 2012 i was obsessed with janoris jenkins i thought janoris jenkins was the best corner in the draft i was also obsessed with tremaine johnson oddly enough like i thought those two were amazing i thought janoris jenkins was the number one corner in the draft i thought tremaine johnson was the number five corner in the draft that was that was literally how I had them ranked. So when they drafted both of them, I was ecstatic. And then you watch them develop, and you're like, man, these guys are really becoming good pros. And I really liked Rodney McLeod. He turned out to be a really good safety. You know, my big issue was always T.J. McDonald. I thought T.J. McDonald was the weak link in the secondary. And now you fast forward, you know, four years down the line from when that all began, and you let Janoris Jenkins walk. And he turn, he turns in one of the best seasons in the NFL last year for the cornerback position. I think he finished second or third in the NFL and uh, passer rating allowed. And, you know, he just really had a hell of a season. And he was doing the same stuff he did it, it, with the Rams, but at a higher level more consistently because he had a better defense around him. And then 
you they also let Roddy McLeod go, and then he goes to the Eagles, and you know Janoris Jenkins wasn't all pro. Then you have Roddy McLeod who as uh, a Pro Bowl, goes to the Pro Bowl, and now you've gone ahead of one year, you think they learned their lesson, they gave Tremaine Johnson the tag last year, instead of pushing to sign him to a long-term deal, if you can't sign him to a long-term deal, that means he's asking for too much money. So what the hell, how do you explain $17 million for one season <laughs> if he's asking for too much money? You know, over the course of two seasons, you're paying him Almost $32 million. That is $16 million a year. How the hell can you fix your face to look at him and his agent in the eyes and say, you're asking for too much, so we're going to give you more? <laughs> that makes no sense. The way that they handled this situation is the dumbest I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, it's been it's horrible. Like, it's like it's like that tweet earlier today. Uh, crap, I can't remember who it was from. Man, he he ripped off like three or four, but he was like, "It's like the guy negotiating for for the Panthers was Matt Khalil." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like the Rams have zero leverage when it comes to Tremaine Johnson right now. He carries all the leverage, oh, you know. And this is what made no sense to me. When I heard this, I'm sitting there thinking and I'm saying, okay, I can see a team possibly coming to agree uh, to uh, they agree to a trade where Tremaine Johnson would He has to be willing to take a pay cut. He has to restructure. Right. He has to take a whole new contract. But what man is dumb enough to say, I'm going to give up $17 million for this $11 million. What? Well, <laughs> and he doesn't have to. <laughs> If, if it if it means that he would get an extended contract and 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 okay he got eleven that year, then he got fifteen the next, then say seventeen and then like fifteen or something. What, but he won't. He will not get seventeen million at no point in one single year in his career. If Matt, and, if Matt Khalil, he's already almost at seventeen. He's at sixteen point eight. If Matt, but he's Khalil, a left, but he's a left tackle. He's a left tackle, and left tackles the pre, He's not a premium, but in, premium. He's been premium. He, he's been so injured that like he hasn't played, and they still yeah, pay him that. This time. is true. This is true, but Tremaine Johnson has been injured a lot throughout his career as well. When he's played, he's he's played very well, but he's been injured a lot throughout his career. In fact, he's never played a full season. Now, when you when you're looking at Tremaine Johnson's point of view, he's saying, "I'm never in my life like you take the best corners ever." And I think the most Darrell Revis got was the. Uh, the 18 million, and when it was time for him to get 20 million, they were like, they said, uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> you know, it was like, we're not paying you 20 million, you know. NFL contracts are getting larger and larger, like they are getting larger and larger. But my point is, the best cornerbacks don't get paid 17 million dollars, you know. True Bane Johnson is a very good cornerback. I would say that you could make the case for him being top 12 in the league. What if you were the Browns and you needed. You needed some solid cornerback play to bolster your defense. You've got a hundred million in cash. What's what's I mean, seven, what's what's 
What's I mean, saying? the Browns just threw away sixteen million for a second round pick. Surely they'll throw away seventeen million, especially when you consider the the Greg Williams connection. You know, I'm positive Greg Williams has said. If we're going to do this, let's go get him. <laughs> you know, I'm positive that he's all in on bringing in Tremaine Johnson, especially since they're saying Joe Hayden is finally healthy. You know, you can pair Tremaine Johnson with Joe Hayden. Yeah, Joe They'll Hayden probably think it would be a very good tandem. Right. Exactly. So that's kind of that's what I'm thinking their thought process is along the lines of. I believe if he's traded to anywhere, it's going to be the Browns. Um, it's yep. just that and, simple. And, and you know and, what? That's that's what Ben Albright was talking about. I think he said. Yeah. That with with the talk, it was the Browns, and that it, it it's was, always been the Browns. Mm-hmm. It makes the most sense. They have the money, they they have the need, they have the uh, they have the defensive coordinator that knows him very well, loves him. Like all he did was rave about him when he was here. He always talked about Tremaine Johnson, you know. So I definitely think that it makes the most sense if it was if he's going to get traded. Asking that that's going to end up exactly. What, what, what I'm pretty, pretty sure the holdup. I'm pretty sure the holdup is the Rams are trying to get pick number 12, <laughs> and that's not going to happen. <laughs> now, if they ask for the second think, round pick. I actually thought that the holdup was that the Rams were probably trying to get a second round pick and a fourth round pick, and there's no way that, that, that they were going to do that. I'm pretty sure the Rams could get a uh, get the get the Browns' second round pick. But when you start throwing in the fourth round, maybe if you yes. did a condition, maybe if you did a conditional for next year, you know, a conditional fourth or right. something like that. Right. Or yes. even since it's next year, even since it's next year, you probably could pull off a conditional third. But you're not going to get a second round pick this year and a fourth round pick this year. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I didn't think they were going after pick number. I don't think anybody in the world thinks Tremaine Johnson is worth pick 12. He's worth about a second round pick. I think you could weasel a first-round pick out of a team, but you it would first off they would have to be a team that has a dire later need. Later than twenties, later than twenties, exactly. Need. They, they'd have to have a dire needed corner, um, and then they would ha- it would have to be a pick that's in that in the twenty range. You know, that like, twenty to thirty range. I think they could pull that off. Twenty-three and later, like yeah, I think I think you could pull that off. I think you could snatch that first-round pick, but to get somebody to get a pick in. The, I even think you could you could probably weasel your way into a, a, a number twenty, you know, to, or weasel your, you know somewhere there. But to get a top fifteen pick, ah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say so it's what, impossible. What was Tremaine we, Johnson drafted at? Tremaine Johnson was a third round pick. He was the first pick in the third round. Now, I'm not gonna say it's Definitely impossible. Played higher than that. He's definitely played higher than that. No question about it. He's number two in the NFL since he's been in the NFL in interceptions. You know, I think he has 18 or something like that, which is only se- which ranks only second, I think, to Richard Sherman. So, yes, he's definitely played higher than that. Now, again, I'm not going to doubt that you can get the 12th pick because we've seen Sam Bradford you know, get two first round picks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Cleveland he got the Rams a first. He got the Rams a first round pick, and then he got the Eagles a first round pick a year later. So I'm not gonna doubt it because we've seen we've seen things happen. I don't think anyone in the world saw that happening with Sam Bradford. Yeah, it didn't happen at the end of next year. The Eagle or the 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 difference is is that the Browns are running a different front office right now. They got yeah. they got different shot callers running. Running the uh, run the place, and what they're doing right now is nothing short of impressive. Like we talk about, people mocked them, and and this is I found this hilarious because this was pervasive on Twitter today. People saying, 
Of course, the Browns are stupid enough to trade for, for Brock Osweiler. And they completely missed the fact that they got basically two picks and, uh, 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 no, they had to send a fourth-round pick, right? Yeah, they had to yeah. send a fourth-round. Yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, they, uh, uh, they got uh, uh, a second-round pick and, and for Brock Osweiler, and they agreed to pay, like, $16 million for it. Now, on the flip side of that is they've already received inquiries about Brock Osweiler, whom they're going to flip, agree to pro- probably pay a portion of his contract, so... Let's say you end up with a rough number like, hey, we'll pay $10 million, you guys pay the 6.8, because Brock Osweiler is due $16.8 million next year. Wait, what's – I'm mixing up him and Trumaine Johnson, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> They're pretty close in numbers, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what is Osweiler due? He's due 16 and some change, but – if you get if you get teams that come in there and say okay we're gonna pay we're gonna pay the ten you pay the six whatever whatever the remaining amount is then you also have to give us in return we're gonna want your second round and a fourth round pick um in in, in the uh, your second round this year and a fourth round pick for next year and Cleveland is going to come out looking like thieves because they already had a hundred plus million dollars that they were sitting on that they could not spend in free agency. They just couldn't spend it. Like they paid $16 million so far. They're going to recoup some of that money. They've paid $16 million for a second round pick and counting. And they're probably going to parlay it into at least three draft picks in total. And if you're talking about three draft picks within two years, all inside the top three rounds, and you've paid $10 million-ish for that, that is ridiculously good business. Yeah. I think that the, I think the Browns are, they have a plan in place. You know, I think there's a lot of discussion about, what are they doing with these picks and all this stuff? Because let's just admit it, they absolutely blew their draft last year. <laughs> they drafted, what was it, like six receivers or something like that? And I think like one of them played. None of them were. You know, <laughs> you know so they absolutely blew their, they blew their, their picks last year. Um, but I do think they have a plan in place. And that's why they're, that's why they're really uh, being aggressive with, stockpiling their picks. I think they're going to, they, they want to be a team that builds through the draft. I think that's pretty obvious. They and drafted, doing, Corey, actually they drafted uh, only two receivers. They drafted Ricardo Lewis and Corey Coleman. Uh, but let, either way, let's look at their busted draft picks. Okay. So they drafted Corey Coleman. Then they drafted Emmanuel Ogba, then Carl Nassib, then Sean Coleman at offensive tackle, Cody Kessler in the third round, which actually, Turned out to be a pretty decent pick until he was concussed out of the season. Yeah. Uh, Joe Schobert, uh, uh, why am I a linebacker? I kept wanting to say left back, man. I've been reading way too many transfer rumors. <laughs> I'm like, they have left backs in, in football all of a sudden? Uh, Ricardo Lewis at wide receiver and, and Derek Kindred. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Derek Kindred. Uh, then they drafted uh, a tight end, Seth DeValve, then another wide receiver in Jordan Payton. 
then an offensive tackle in Spencer Drango, then another wide receiver in Rashard Higgins, <laughs> then a cornerback in Trey Caldwell, and then they drafted Scooby Wright uh, the third in the seventh round, which I think is going to end up being a damn good pick. Um, I agree. I, I like Scooby Wright. Yep. And so, uh, and 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 they also got. Uh, you know, uh, there were a couple guys that they signed after. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the Browns now, uh, with uh, new management, uh, well, actually, it'll be the same team. It'll be the second draft. Um, yeah. So uh, is it, will it be DePodesta's second draft, though? That's the guy I'm not sure about it. When was the Podesta brought in? Because I feel like he was this past year. I'm not sure. I have see. to double check on that. Let me see. Paul D. Either way, the point the point is I think the that they are definitely putting together a plan, and I think that that's why they're attacking it through the draft. And January fifth, two thousand sixteen. Yes. So okay, so was, this would be his second. Yeah, it'd be a second. So. So they're putting together a plan and they're attacking it through the draft. I think that that's the whole point of why they're being so aggressive in the way they move. You know, they're kind of taking that Packers approach. You know, um, they're not really looking to they, the, the Terrell Pryor is still a free agent, so that should tell you all all you need to know about what they're what they're trying to do with their draft picks. They're really they're building through the draft and they're not really looking to do too much money throwing unless it's you know in trades, <laughs> but they're not looking to do much, too much about uh, throwing money around or anything like that. Unless so they're looking to send them off to the, uh, new England Patriots to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's exactly. Hey, the Rams can't really talk. <laughs> nope. The Rams can't really talk too much. So, Hey, it, it, I guess it is what it is now. You know, if you, uh, if you want to win a Super Bowl, you leave, you leave a uh, bottom of the barrel team, and you go like to the Patriots, the, and you're gonna win. It. You're gonna win. The, the the funny part to me is that people were laughing at the Browns, and the Browns put out a press release that straight said, "We are really excited about the acquisition of our second round draft pick." It didn't even mention Osweiler's name at all in the oh to make it even better <laughs> to make it even better. They already they're already on record saying they don't think that he's the the future of the quarterback position. <laughs> like they're making it known. We did not make this trade for Brock Osweiler. <laughs> that was and never people, our intention. <laughs> and people are still thinking like, oh, they got Osweiler. Like, no, no, they did and they didn't. That dude ain't gonna be a brown. Yeah, it's Brock, very temporary. Brock Osweiler <laughs> will not even wear a Browns jersey. Like that's that's how long that's how not for long in in Cleveland Brock Osweiler is. He will never even get a jersey with his name on it. Agreed. <laughs> it's highly it's highly unlikely. Yeah, like if 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 Cleveland got I don't know, dude. If I. I if 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 the San Antonio Spurs called up and were like, you know what, we'll send you Kawhi Leonard to 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 the Cavaliers in return. Uh, 
Look, the Cleveland, the Cleveland it's Browns. It's hard to find a comparison for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man. But, uh, no, I, I really do think that the Browns are, are doing something special um, at free agent or it, with with their acquisition of picks and with free agency, man. Um, I thought it was a bold move to let Terrell Pryor hit free agency, especially with how productive he was for them. Uh, given their current quarterback play. But like you said, the Browns know what they're going to do. And not that this is a Browns podcast, but this was major news today. And I just, you and I, and and along with producer Scott, all were sitting back laughing because I don't understand why people think that Cleveland's done here. Like Now, what they do with the picks, that could be monumentally stupid. And I think that's kind of what people expect out of the Browns is that moving forward, they'll Browns it up with the picks they've acquired. And I think that's basically your point, Mason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they still have a lot of picks, but that doesn't mean anything. Exactly. They can use so it all I, on Ruben Fox. And the, Ram, the Rams have proven this. <laughs> you know, the Rams have proven this. I mean, Man, they had a lot of picks between 2012 and 2014, but 2015. But well, we've seen how many of those have have panned out. Uh, if I recall correctly, the nobody had more picks than the Rams um, over that period, uh, or in the top. I think no one had more it's picks crazy. in the top 100 than the Rams. So, yeah, <laughs> they really. Uh, they really didn't hit on all of those. So, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Especially when you look at some of the players that was drafted after some of the players that the Rams took. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's staggering to really, to really look back on. But it's better days. Yeah, it's better days, hopefully. Bluer skies, more sun. We shall see how uh, Sean One thing that I think uh, people – should not forget is Les Snead, you know, coming from Atlanta, Thomas Dimitrov. I don't think, I don't think it's possible to forget, but I think it slips people's minds. Thomas Dimitrov is a very aggressive drafter. And Les Snead was there when he made one of the most aggressive moves I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. And that was to move all the way up from, I think 27 or something crazy to get Julio Jones. <laughs> I think that sort of mentality, that aggressive nature as a GM, really is something that Leslie took and carried over with to the Rams. Uh, and Julio when you look Jones. At, yeah. Uh. When you look at the drafts that has, you know, transpired since he's gotten with the Rams, there's always movement. You know, so whether it's up or down, I think Rams Fans should just be expecting there will be more movement. You know, either they're going to move up and get a marquee player, or they're going to get some more picks. You know, it's not over yet. You know, that yeah. that's I think that's I think that's pretty much a guarantee at this point. It's not over yet. And it is fortunate that uh, we are going to be joined by someone who can now explain uh, some of these off-season transactions that the Rams have partaken in uh i was lucky enough to pin down mr benjamin albright we were fortunate enough uh 
to get the time with Ben, and, and he really broke down why the Rams went after some of the guys they went after, what the likelihood was of the uh, offer with Groy that Buffalo ended up matching, um, which, you know, is now kind of a pointless conversation that he and I had since Buffalo matched the offer. Um but uh, producer Scott Man has busted his butt trying to get this podcast up ready. So much thanks to producer Scott and producer Scott. Why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead and play that interview with Ben Albright? I I was fortunate enough to get done uh, uh, in the middle of this week. So uh, want to run that back? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right, brother. I am pleased to be joined by. Mr. Benjamin Albright. Ben, how you doing, man? I know it's been a crazy couple of days, week, just lately, crazy lately. So this is not celebrity karaoke duos because my agent said I was going to be karaoke with Selena Gomez. Oh, 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 actually, (laughs) Selena Gomez couldn't make it. We booked you with Justin Bieber instead. Well, that's certainly an upgrade. <laughs> Actually, vocally, it may or may not be. But... <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but man, uh, how how has your week been, man? Has that has that? What's it like on a during free agency for someone of your caliber? Like, what's your average day? Uh, well, my average day is get up at six a.m. Um, you got two cell phones, a tablet, a laptop going. Uh, in addition to the TV in the background, uh, you're making calls, uh, sending texts out. Uh, you know, you're trying to keep the, the Twitter going and keep engaged as much as you can. Um, and it's, you know, 6 a.m. to uh, out here. And I say 6 a.m. That, that's Mountain Time, so that's you know 8 o'clock Eastern. So the day's already going for a lot of those guys. Um, and um, I usually shut it down around 9 p.m. or so. Um, if I'm having an insomniac kind of night like I did the other night when all that Jimmy Garoppolo nonsense went down with his Instagram, um, you know, then I might be up doing stuff. But uh, generally, I, I try to shut it down by 9 p.m. Mountains. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's probably a bit fair. And during the Lost podcast, we talked about how you unwind with television shows, but we won't we won't actually have to go there again. Uh, one thing we didn't get a chance to talk about on the Lost podcast, we were there was sort of a lack of moves by the Rams front office, and then no sooner did that episode not record than, sure enough, the Rams front office gets gets pretty active in free agency, bringing in. And it's funny too because we asked you about Robert Woods, and that's exactly who they ended up signing. Now. Where do you come down on Andre Whitworth out of Cincinnati? How, where does a signing like that rank with you? We know he's old, but he's proven himself to be reliable and steady. Yeah, I think and that was another thing we talked about on that podcast that uh, you know they got deleted. We talked about you know what they were going to do in free agency when they got active, address the offensive line, and you know maybe pick up a couple of players that Wade was familiar with on defense. And sure enough, that ended up happening. But uh, you know uh, Whitworth, um, I-, I thought was the best tackle on the market, bar none. I-, I was hoping that they could maybe pull him in here in Denver. Um, the guy has only allowed something like five sacks over the last three years, 
Uh, it's an obscene number, um, and, and I, you know, I think he's still got a little bit. Uh, is his skill set declining? Possibly. Uh, you know, he's getting older, but uh, he, he seems to have held up pretty well. Um, he, he's great cornerstone addition and a veteran offensive lineman, which I think is a big thing because the Rams, you know, they kind of went young with that offensive line over the last couple of years. And the, the veterans that they brought in didn't really add much, much in the way of leadership, I don't think. And, and Whitworth is a guy who will. So I think uh, I think it is twofold. I think first of all, you're getting the culture. Uh, you know, outside of last year, the Bengals have been a playoff team for, for quite some time. So uh, you're getting a winning culture guy who's going to come in there and shake up the young guys and a veteran to kind of steady the huddle for Jared Goff. Well, one thing I want to ask you is what do you make of, first of all, the uh, the Rams made a play for Ryan Groy, and the Bills have five days to answer it. Early reports are out there that the Rams will, will end up risk with Groy. Uh, what do you make of it, uh, and and from from both the perspective of what the Rams put out there and what they're going to get in return? Uh, in terms, I said, uh, what are you actually asking me there? Like, what what will they get in terms of compensation? Right, 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 right. With, with, with the Rams, will end up. I, don't they end up losing a pick if if uh, Buffalo if Buffalo ends up gaining a pick from the Rams if they do swoop him? Right. Right. What's that? What? Whatever, yes, they do. Whatever he's, whatever level he's tendered at, however that, that the tender goes right. out, that's how that's matched. That's, they they got to give him the pick. But if they uh, if if they don't, then then they don't. So it's uh you know it's it, it's it's all pretty structured. It's pretty straightforward. There's no trap door in there or poison pill or anything like that. Um, I, I think they're going to wind up with it, and so we'll see how it shakes out. No, I didn't. I, I guess my original question was was vague. I was saying when it when it does come to the the compensation pick. That that Buffalo will receive from him, in terms of the player that the Rams are going to get from Buffalo versus what they're going to give up, or is this going to be a situation where they're actually gaining a pretty solid player? Because when his name came up, I had a couple fans come and ask me about him, and I'm like, to be honest, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about him. What what can you tell Ramdom about Roy? Is this a guy that's going to improve golf? Is he a guy that's going to be able to grow old with golf? Like, well, what's this guy worth on the open market? Well, his offer sheet's two two years, five million. Uh, the one that he uh, the one that he signed. Um, so that's you know uh, three point five in guaranteed money. Uh, a second round tender. Um, that's a step up from original round, which means that they obviously thought uh, very highly of him. A second round tender is a good a good tender to have. Um, you know, lo- low tender there means that you don't get any compensation um, if they let him walk. Uh, bills bills have five days, of course, to, to match the offer and. Uh, um, you know, Eric Wood set to become a free agent after uh, 2017, like we factors in there a little bit. But, um, I, you know, I, as far as what kind of player you get, you know, you get a, a good, solid player. I mean, a player that's uh, that's um, tendered at a second-round tender is obviously a uh, someone you think of as a starter or close to a starter when you put that on there. Um, a second-round tender means you're willing to risk him for a second-rounder, which means you think of him as a starter, but you think of him as uh, an average-level starter uh, or replaceable uh, in terms of you think you can get equal compensation out of a second-round pick. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that uh, – uh, I don't know that the Rams um, 
may have a higher value on him than the Bills. The Bills with the wood situation, you gotta you know, you gotta kinda figure that out. There's there's more to it than just a straightforward valuation, if you will. Um, as far as Groy goes, you're talking about a guy who's bounced around the league a little bit. Um, you know, he played at uh, at Wisconsin in college. They always they tend to turn out those you know, those tough offensive linemen. Um you know, and he, he's a big old boy. I mean, he's what six five, three twenty, give or take. Um, started off at the Bears. He's been to the Patriots, uh, and he spent a little time with uh, with Tampa before the Bills picked him up that year. And he's been with the Bills for a couple of years, so uh, he, he's been around the league a little bit. Um, you know, kind of kind of seasoned. Um, he's been around both ends of the spectrum, uh, whether it's Chicago and Tampa, where it's you know losing culture, been around the Patriots, where it's obviously winning culture. Um, and then uh, you know, with the Bills, uh, you know, he's he's obviously been around uh, um, a bit of both. Uh, the Bills have been a fairly competitive team, although maybe not uh, you know just good enough to get in the playoffs and all that last couple of years. Um, I, I think they kind of squandered the talent they had. To be honest, I, I think they were better than their. Kind coaching. of agree too. <laughs> I, I I thought that for a while there they'd had a really good team. I was never really sold on EJ Gaines. Uh, as a quarterback, but uh, EJ yeah, I, or EJ Manuel, excuse me. Yeah, uh, I was never really sold on EJ Manuel, but uh, I thought the Bills had some some pretty promising talent there for a while. Right, and uh, I, I totally agree with that. And then you know you look at what they produced, you know, out of that talent. You think they they underproduced? That's probably the reason for a coaching change. One of the one of the advantages the Rams have, I think, in all this is that you know the the team they're going to be sharing the stadium with here soon, in the or at least a city with uh, the Chargers. Uh, their head coach is very familiar. Uh, with Groy, so you know you could you could pretty much go give him a call and get a steak dinner and kind of evaluate what kind of player he is from their perspective and you know and go from there. So you got a sounding board locally before you you turn around and make an offer. Now the offer they made wasn't a very very big one, but it was you know certainly a um, uh, an offer that says hey we're prepared to you know bring you in and make you starter. So um, I think uh, you know I think it's a good deal for the for the Rams. I I hope they end up pulling it off. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and certainly one of the things that we talked about on the last podcast was the addressing of the offensive line, which you've been bang on about so far. You look at a couple of guys, this in theory would present two veteran offensive line, two new veteran offensive linemen into the mix, one at center, one at left tackle. So addressing the two key critical positions along the offensive line, also, with that came the announcement from the Rams that McCoy is going, or, or excuse me, Greg Robinson is going to be moving uh, to the right side. Uh, okay, first, there was a little bit of a debate about this. Uh, there's about, maybe about 45-ish days left until the Rams have to decide whether or not they're going to exercise the fifth-year option on Greg Robinson. A, do you think they do that? And B, do you think that the move to the right side will improve his play in any way? Well, um, yes, I think the move will will improve his play uh, overall. Um, I, I I would prefer to see him at guard. I think that's his natural position. But 
put him over there on the right side in a you know in a traditional uh, pass block left run block right offense which they're going to run is um, is probably more beneficial to him. Put him over there on the left side. It's just a, it's just a disservice. He came into league as a you know as an athlete more than a football player. You know I mean he was just a big guy with a lot of athleticism and it never really never really you know meshed for him. Never really translated. You can blame that on the previous staff. Blame it on his inability to develop whatever. Uh, as far as extending him, at this point, I would say it's unlikely that they'd pick, they'd pick up his option. Uh, I would think they would try to extend him uh, and give him a contract extension rather than, than pick up that fifth-year option. Uh, and I think they've made that pretty clear, you know, to his uh, representation. So, um, you know, we'll see if he if he decides to do that. I don't know that ultimately that's the way it'll shake out, but uh, that's what their, their uh, intent is. You thinking that this is a situation where Greg Robinson is going to feel like, hey, I'm worth more than you guys are trying? Because the Rams do have a history of, of letting guys – well, let's just frankly say that they've let players who've had much more of an impact than Greg Robinson walk. Um, is this ultimately going to come down to a situation where Greg Robinson's going to have to play ball with the Rams, or frankly, he'll just be playing ball elsewhere? More or less. And I think that's the other beauty of what they did. You bring in the veteran uh, Whitworth uh, on a deal right in Robinson's coming into a contract era, and he's going to be playing a right tackle. And, you know, for better or worse, that position is devalued in the NFL, even though, you know, all the data shows that both tackles are equally as important. People consider the left tackle to be more important for whatever reason, uh, even though hardly anyone drops back from center and has their back to the left side anymore. Most people are playing on a shotgun and can see the whole uh, the whole pass rush and the whole line. There's not really a blindside tackle anymore. Um, I, I don't, you know, so it's kind of a, a, a beautiful move uh, on their part in the sense that they get to kind of be like, well, here's what right tackle money looks like right now. We'd like to extend you on that. But, uh, you know, his his level of play also hasn't been, uh, you know, pro Pro Bowl caliber uh, by any means. So I think that there's uh, a sense that they can say, hey, look, we're willing to extend you at this and throw some incentives in here and, you know, you, you can take this or you're welcome to test the free agent market. You're not going to get that on the market. Uh, plus, you're going to be learning a whole new locker room and all new teammates, a new scheme, new system. That's up to you. Um, but, you know, I think that the fair offer is a, you know, a three-year extension, you know, with a lot of incentives built in and see if Robinson takes it. Yeah, it would certainly seem like if you had an incentive-laden contract for a guy like Robinson, especially at right guard, where, in my opinion, those incentives would be more achievable, it seems like it could be a win-win. But the question always comes down to the player. How does the player see their value in contrast to what the team is willing to shell out. And the Rams have been on the stingier side. I won't say they're as thrifty as the Patriots, but, you know, they're they're they're, they're up there. Um, looking at Robert Woods, uh, he comes in. Now, he still doesn't address the concern of a primary receiver for the Rams, but he certainly – represents an upgrade uh, to the receiving core. Uh, where do you think he fits in? Is he going to be a three? Is this guy going to be a two? What, I mean, what, what's his role most likely to be in this McVay offense? 
Well, I guess you have to define what a three or a two is. Uh, ideally, they're going to put him at the you know the one or the two. He's going to be a guy who plays on the outside. You want typically you want your size receivers on the outside, up on the line. Uh, you know, because you, you feel like they can beat press coverage. You know, the league has, uh, had shifted for a while there towards smaller, quicker corners. Uh, and so you want your big guys on the outside because they can beat any press those guys throw at them. And they, you know, the fade or jump ball there, back shoulder fades, you know, an easy route, easy winter route to throw. Uh, then you move your, your smaller, quicker guy into the slot put him in motion or put him in the slot where he can't be jammed up the line. It gives him a, you know, a little extra wiggle room to get free and use that burner speed to, to get open. So uh, I think you're going to see him on the outside. Uh, I think you're going to see him, you know, be that number two guy on the outside. They hope uh, that he, he, you know, kind of develops and, and becomes what they think he can. You put Austin in the slot and, you know, you got your number one spot open there on the other side and, and see what shakes out. Now, I did want to ask you, because you have some familiarity with Webster, uh, it's looking less and less likely that the Rams are going to be able to remove Tremaine Johnson on his ridiculously large uh, tag doffer. Surprise, surprise. So what what can you tell me about Webster and and what type of play he provides in the secondary? Is this a guy that's going to provide solid number two cornerback play, or is he a guy that can surprise? Well, uh, you know, I think he's surprised. Um, he was a special teams ace, um, you know, here in Denver in the dime corner. Um, he was just largely overshadowed by the, the large amount of talent that, that the, uh, the Broncos had at corner. When you have, you know, Tlaib and Chris Harris, arguably the best one and two corners in the NFL, and you throw Bradley Roby in that mix, it's tough for you to crack the, you know, the top three. Um, I, I always found him to be a, you know, a very good corner. I found him to be a, a willing guy. And like I said, he always contributed on special teams. And that's a, it's a, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, the guy can get in there on special teams and, 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 uh, and contribute there as well. Um, I, I don't know that he's necessarily your number two corner. I think he's your two or your three. Um, I, I always found that he was a guy who uh, had plenty of speed, um, one of the best press corner in the world, but had plenty of speed and you could put him out there on an island if you needed to. Uh, which uh, which Wade will do a lot. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of uh, cover one, you know, island corner play out of that defense. So you got to have guys who can cover like that. I, I think he's a perfect fit. Fair enough, fair enough. So it's hard to see anything else happening, but there have been rumors, murmurs of the Rams possibly – making one or two more moves in free agency, possibly trying to wheel and deal a trade. What can you tell me about that, if anything? Wheel and deal, are you talking about Tremaine? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know that the, the until I hear that he's definitely not going to be trying to trade it anymore, I figure it's worth an ask. Well, you know, they're trying to move him. Uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, they haven't been successful and haven't found the right price to, you know, to be able to do all that uh, and the right, you know, the right the right thing for them. Uh, there are teams that are inquiring. I think as free agency shakes out and some of these teams have missed out on uh, certain players and, and, and need to hit the salary cap floor, uh, you'll find that, uh, that they're more amenable uh, to being able to meet the Rams price for Tremaine and he probably gets dealt when all said and done. Um, you know, some of the teams are looking at him are, are 
you know, far from the salary cap floor that they need to hit right now. And so, you know, their options are either going to be to over, uh, acquire an overpriced contract player like Jermaine Johnson or try to do some kind of salary cap dump type move like what the Browns did with Osweiler and try to reacquire Osweiler just for the contracts to meet that floor. So uh, you'll find that as time wears on, uh, teams that are well below the, the, the floor uh, needing to get there are more, more willing to make moves. And a couple last questions for you here. What ultimately is going to be fair market value compensation for a guy like Trumaine Johnson? Because you're going to have – I've actually heard some Rams fans say this, that he's worth a first-round pick. I think those guys are thinking wishfully, though many might be serious. Uh, where do you see if he ultimately ends up getting dealt – is this going to be something like a uh, maybe a second and a fifth with a uh, with a fourth in return? How, is, is that kind of how this will shake down? Well, you know, it's, it's it's really impossible to tell what people do right now. But I think fair market is going to be a you know a fifth rounder and then like a conditional third that could be a second if he's an All Pro or hits the Pro Bowl, um, you know that kind of thing. So I think that's probably what you're looking at in the end. Is true for a for a two and a five or a conditional third and a five. Okay, fair enough. And lastly, um, what is it now that you've kind of seen what the Rams have done? Where do their attentions turn? Because as we sort of brought up on one podcast, Corey Davis is a guy who now that he's announced he's going to have a surgery and that he's going to be out for about six months, there's this hope amongst Rams fans that he could drop to where he would be selectable. Selectable territory, second day, uh, where do you get – what's your impression of Corey Davis's injury and how league executives are viewing it? Is it something that, that could end up benefiting the Rams and, and, and hurting Corey Davis, or are teams – have they seen enough to know what they're getting? Uh, I think they've seen enough to know what they're getting in terms of the tape, um, and, and that, that injury will push him down a little bit. He was already kind of a guy that um, – you know, was borderline, as it were, for the first round. Um, I, I think he's going to be a great player. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if the Rams are going to have a chance to get him. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, I, it certainly would be a good fit. If, I, if I'm the Rams, though, I'm probably looking at, you know, looking at picks on the, along the secondary. Um, I, I don't think that you're looking at offensive picks. I think you're looking at probably defensive draft. Um, you know, generally when you get an offensive-minded head coach, they think that they can coach up the players that you're already in place, and they look to draft the other side of the football that they don't know or that they're placing in someone else's hands so that they've got the ingredients they know how to work with. Um, and I think that defense is just a couple of pieces away from being a you know another signature Wade Phillips defense. So I would I would look to the secondary in the draft. Uh, we we saw how uh, you know when we recorded that other podcast before free agency started, we saw that yeah, I told you the game plan the Rams were laying out. They, they pretty much stuck to that. Um, yeah, you've I, been I, dead on the money. It pisses me off that that episode got lost because I'm, I'm here <laughs> to tell you like Ben literally said okay this is going to happen I think this will happen first and then after that happens 
this is going to happen. And it pretty much all unfolded like that. And I'm not just saying that because he was kind enough to do a return podcast. It was just, it was remarkable. What made it remarkable is that there weren't even 12 hours in between this full on for like about three or four layer prediction and it all coming true. Well, it's, you know, it helps to have people in the organization kind of feeding you the info, but um, it's, look, the, as far as what the Rams want to do, they, you know, they're, they're looking to get, they have to have a sexy product because they're in L.A. and now they're going to be split in the city with the Chargers. And they understand they have to have an identity. And they know that their offense is young right now. So what they want to do is they want to come out and surround that offense, you know, with enough pieces to keep it protected and going while they build it, and then turn around and have a sexy defense to start. they got the right coach. they got some of the right players in place already when you look at Donald, Quinn, guys like that. Um, so they know that. So they need to get a couple of secondary pieces in, kind of shore up that D. I really think that's the direction they're going to go uh, in the draft. They tried desperately to get DeMarcus Ware out there. They offered him $8.5 million per uh, for a two-year deal, and he ultimately turned it down because he was concerned that his body wouldn't hold up and the Rams weren't going to be a serious contender, at least in terms of the Super Bowl, this, you know, while he was there. Mm, and that's a fair point to DeMarcus. I mean, when you're at the, the age he's at and you've done the work that he's done, been where he's been, you now have your ring. Uh, sometimes it's just easier to pack the body in than to go out there and say, hey, I'm going to play one more season just to play which is essentially what it would be because I don't think anyone in the world sees a Rams Super Bowl run coming next season. It's not to say they can't be competitive, but, I mean, that would that would be a greater story than Lester, in my opinion. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think looking at the overall decision, I mean, where uh, he, he was a guy that would be reduced to a third down pass rusher last year already with his back and everything, and he really wanted to go back to Dallas and when that didn't kind of come to fruition. We, you know, threw him a bone if he wanted to play, and he just said, no, we'll pack it in. And that's certainly, you know, who can blame players these days? Okay, so my my last question that I'm going to ask you goes to your point. I understand that the Rams, they believe in what they have. But the problem is what they don't have is an actual number one receiver. So I totally understand that this would be a defensive draft. I've, I've thought that it would be, if nothing else, because you don't get a name like Wade Phillips on defense without making some concessions. And I am sure that some of those concessions are a healthy number of your already limited picks. So I had a feeling Wade was going to get his way, but there isn't anybody on that roster that truly stands out to me as a number one. How does this Rams offense get going without a number one? Who is going to step up? Or maybe to to put in a better way that lets you off the hook, who is the organization really, really putting their weight behind to step up? Well, Tavon Austin's going to be the, the the main one, but Austin and uh, and Woods and bonus really falls on them. If you look at the you know Washington over the last couple of years, they really haven't had a true quote unquote number one. Now, Deshaun Jackson was a big name, uh, but he's not really a number one on the outside kind of guy. He's a burner, um, and he's going to get 
you know, plenty of run, plenty of yardage, all that kind of stuff. He's a good receiver. But in terms of what you're talking about, um, Washington didn't really have that player. You had Pierre Garçon out there who kind of fills the Woods role. And you had, you know, Deshaun Jackson who's kind of uh, fills the Taylor Austin role. But they really didn't have that other guy out there that will you know, guy, and uh, you know that, that the system works. So what they're counting on is, that, you know, they're going to put the quarterback in the best position to uh, to be back there making throws. They'll let the system take care of itself, and you know the players execute the plays. Um, you know, they don't feel like they need a a Randy Moss out there to make the system go. They feel it's proven, and, and they're going to run with that. There's a lot of talk, especially from from his play last spring, and 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 the the few reps. That 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 he did get, but Mike Thomas, you know, it, it's not the Mike Thomas that everybody was hoping would be drafted by the Rams. But what they ended up with in Mike Thomas could end up being something really special. Just how poised is this kid? And do you believe that out of all of the guys they have, the the Nelson Spruce, Pharaoh Cooper. This young class of guys, is is Mike Thomas the guy who can sort of elevate above the rest of them? Um, You know, maybe. He's not the guy that, if I'm looking at one of these guys to break out, I don't know that he's necessarily the guy I'm looking at, um, you know, when all's said and done. But, um, I, you know, I, he was, uh, you know. Who would you put your time. money on? Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, a guy I'm kind of really pulling for and hoping would be Paul McRoberts. Um, yeah, you know, out of there, uh, I think he's got the height. Um, I, I think he's got the ability. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have the patience to deal with that. Um, I, I don't think Farrell Cooper is the guy. I think he's just a slot guy and just kind of a guy. Um, you know, so if, if I had to put my money on it, I, I would really hope it'd be Paul McRoberts. I think he's a bigger, a bigger guy and maybe a little more athletic than, uh, than Michael Thomas, but you know, it could be Thomas. Um, I certainly would be opposed to seeing that. Fair enough, man. Well, I appreciate the fact that you have given us, uh, an ample amount of makeup time. I promise not to keep you the full length this time and trying to do an abbreviated version of this to let you get out of here. But before I do, I wanted to give you an opportunity to let people know where they can find you on social media. Uh, two, any good works that you have coming up. And three, if, if there's any particular causes that you would like to mention right now, uh, go right ahead, man. The floor is yours, good sir. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Albright NFL. That's uh, Albright with uh, with two L's. Although uh, occasionally it can be a, a dumpster fire, so I don't necessarily recommend it. <laughs> um, uh, if you uh, you know cause up, I got behind. I kind of got behind this uh, brackets for good thing this year. It's a it's a bracket little thing for for charities, and uh, I think we raised about uh, two point seven million this year. Um, you know, for for various different nonprofits and causes. So uh, if you get a chance, you can go to bfg.org, uh, I believe slash Denver. That's the one uh, the one I'm doing. But you can go to any of them, uh, and they'll uh, uh, link you up with different uh, you know different charities and all that kind of stuff. If you feel moved to give a couple of bucks, you know, to to somebody in need, hey, I uh, I'd appreciate it. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of behind that in matching donations this year, so. No, and you have certainly put your money where your mouth is and your time and heart where it needed to be. As somebody earlier today tried to uh, 
diminish you on Twitter by telling you you've never served, so your opinion was invalid. <laughs> God, I mean. How bad do you have to whiff on that one? I mean, there's literally stuff all over the Internet about, about that. I mean, that was just, I mean, you talk about your all-time greatest whiffs. That one was right up there. But you know what, though? Some people are just, they're they're beyond any help that you could possibly give them. Any help. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I uh, I can't thank you enough, Ben, for your time, man. I promise you that this one got recorded, so you go enjoy a Tuesday night. I am going to try and recover from my back surgery, and uh, we will go from there, my friend. I look forward to talking to you soon. Right, as always, brother, talk to you soon. All right, thanks, brother. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a little post-Ben Albright wrap-up. And uh, I'm actually kind of doing something different here. I'm uh, I'm doing it with producer Scott because of the way that everything got done, uh, people weren't available. But producer Scott said, "You know what, I, guys, I got this." So he's got it, um, and he's here to talk to us for just a little bit about uh, the Ben Albright interview. Um, and uh, then we'll let you go on your merry day. Probably about five minutes here. So, uh, first off, Scott, what was your uh, what was your takeaway from from what Ben had to say? You know, um, I I really have to to agree with a lot of what he said. I like uh, a lot of the additions that the Rams have made, and you know, the one major point that you brought up. In the interview with him that I totally agree with you on is where is the big name wide receiver, man? I I like the addition of Robert Woods, but uh, there's a lot of potential there. But he's a guy that's been hurt for the last couple of years. And they really don't have that big body, big name guy out there outside of Tavon Austin, who they just backed up the Brinks truck for who knows what reason for um, at this point. But um, yeah, man, I like the additions of uh, Kayvon Webster, uh, Andrew Wentworth, and uh, like I said, I really like what they did. We won't hold it against Scott that he's a Niners fan. Um but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, obviously the biggest problem that they had, and you know this from having been on the, 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 the producing end of a number of podcasts where we've ripped on Greg Robinson for his uh, contributions to uh, the left tackle position. And you know that the addition of Whitworth was huge, cementing somebody who grades out as well as he does on PFF, the third best left tackle available. Um, yeah. Actually is a guy that, 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 that doesn't miss a lot of games. He, he consistently plays his spot well. It was actually kind of a coup. Right, I mean, he's... Because he, we're somebody who's... Sorry, sorry. We're somebody who's yeah. really quietly been really good. Yeah, like, he... Uh, by many, he was considered to be the best tackle or at least the best left tackle available so i mean you you gotta hand it to the the rams front office whoever's pulling the strings at this point 
for making that move. I want to get your opinion on Kayvon Webster. Um, the Rams needed a cornerback to yeah. play alongside Tremaine Johnson. They bring in a guy in Kayvon Webster who knows um, the Rams, well, ultimately what the Rams' defense will be because he has played under Wade Phillips before and knows what the end product is going to be. Uh, actually, both he and Connor Barwin, who I've been railing on and on and on hey. and on 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 about <laughs> that the Rams should sign. Yes, another and, move that I love. And the Rams signed him. So now you have two players, one at the cornerback position, which... Kayvon Webster knows what's expected of him, which you heard Ben explain that a little bit more is expected of the cornerbacks in this defensive scheme. So Kayvon Webster is a guy who knows what his responsibilities are going to be in this defense, and that's going to be critical. Now, Connor Barwin is that guy who can function as a linebacker, which really is something we've talked about both Mison and Joe that the Rams are thin at that position yeah. in terms of guys who can do what Phillips wants. Right. There's not a lot in the stable. Uh, but Barwin adds something to that um, even as sort of a joker backer or however Phillips will use him. But uh I really feel like those were two pretty critical additions to the defense. And I did like the the fact that the Rams made a play for, for uh, McCroy. They, they, they tried to swoop him out from Buffalo. They, you know, a second round tender is, uh, is <laughs> it's, it's no small. That's the best the Rams could do. And, and they were ultimately, well, maybe it's not the best they could do, but it's certainly probably, the Rams aren't going to give up multiple picks in a draft where they have none. It's it's hard to see that happening, especially for a center. Um, I know it solves a pick, but then you've lost another pick. So you actually come out as a net negative on this one. Right. Um, you might be better off drafting another center and seeing how that plays out. Right. Um, traditionally speaking, um, you know, Guys, guys who have been fairly successful at center in college, uh, I'm not going to say they transition rather fluidly, but you 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 get a decent amount of success rate because the center has to be the most. He's outside of the left tackle, and even more so than the left tackle in many instances, he's got to be the guy quarterbacking the whole damn line. Right. You know. He's looking at the coverages. He's calling out protection schemes. He's got to be the most intelligent guy on that line. So if you have three to four years of a guy showing you he can do it at a high level, then, you know, it, it makes sense why you would try a second-round tender. Okay, you whiff. Now you go through the draft. Right. The, the one guy that actually I'm curious to see – what they get out of this year and what they do with is Lance Dunbar. That signing to me signals, and also obviously having Jared Goff, signals that the Rams might possibly be moving more to a spread. You know, Dunbar's not a guy that really has gotten all that many chances to run in between the tackles. And really, he is more of a spread back who can do a lot with catching the football. And with Jared Goff's 
history of running more of a spread attack at Cal, I kind of wonder if they're going to do the, more of that in Give him some tools to succeed. I also don't wonder if they don't, and we've talked about this, this could be a situation whereby they know they're going to lose Benny Cunningham and they have to replace that production. Right. And Dunbar is a guy who can give you multiple different uh, uh, looks, both on special teams and as a as a running back. You know, he's he can be used in, in various different ways. He's an athlete, as they affectionately call them in college. Uh, outside uh, of the wide receiver, sorry, Josh. Outside of the wide receiver, the one area that I would have liked to have seen them possibly sign is maybe a more veteran quarterback outside of Aaron Murray. Not somebody to necessarily push Goff, but maybe someone, even if it's just somebody that they have in camp that kind of is that veteran guy, maybe like a Josh McCown, to kind of show him the ropes and 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 say hey this is this is kind of how you do it yeah i have i have no idea how they plan to approach that i don't i don't know what the rams are are thinking maybe you know they still I don't, is Mannion what's Mannion's status Ugh. i thought Mannion was still locked up under contract I, for yeah i believe so years. and i think is so is i mean too? there's your guy who's been in the system you is know, for is the Keenum still there, uh, too? Sorry. Uh, that I don't know. I don't know what Case Keenum's situation Let's is. Uh, you think I'd pay more attention to that, wouldn't Well, he's not on the uh, roster, so I would imagine not. Yeah. 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 yeah I think Case Keenum was a, was a uh, free agent. Uh, yeah, so I would think maybe they might bring in somebody. Yeah, he's a free agent in 2016. Outside of outside of Aaron Murray, who was buried in Kansas City, who seems to be more of a camp arm, then I, I would. He's a. I don't he's know. He's an unrestricted free agent right now. So if it were if it were up to me, I would bring in somebody who can. Who yeah, can some, coach somebody, off up a little bit. With some, somebody with some experience to stabilize the locker room and pass on knowledge, even if it's just knowledge of how to, to, to go into these meetings and absorb the most out of them. Like, look, you know, Josh McCown isn't going to start you like a bazillion games, but he knows the process. He knows what it takes to stay in the NFL, how to land a backup role. And guys like that are important. I can understand that. I would, you know, I think Aaron Murray is a piece. I think Sean Mannion's going to end up being that backup. He's been with the Rams now since I think 2012. Hmm. Um, I, you know, he's been with the Rams for a minute. I like, <laughs> so, yeah. um, I think it's a guy that they know and trust and, and, and golf can learn from, um, he played in a, you know, he, he he didn't play in a system that necessarily translates to what McVeigh is going to do, but he will have a grasp on how to make it work. Right. Um, but wrapping this up real quick, Josh, uh, just, yeah. just saying, uh, on paper right now, it appears the most impactful free agent signing for my money for the Rams has to be Whitworth. I mean, 
Yeah, he's yeah. no he's, doubt about it. This is not up for debate. He is by far pound for pound the best signing the Rams made this offseason. And and let's not forget the maybe unheralded free agent signing. You keep your own in house, Legatron, the man, Greg Zerline, who yeah. when he's right, has one of the best legs in the league. Yeah. Uh and you know what? He was part of a special teams unit that did their damn job last year. Right. So Perfect. Nearly perfect. Yeah. So I I think they did a really good job, you know, and I like their free agent maneuvers, man. With what the Rams had to work with, I like what they brought in. I like what they're thinking. I can see why they had to bring in what they had to bring in. Albright broke it down, why it was going to be a second-tier wide receiver, why it had to be that crop of wide receiver, just simply because of the amount of money they had tied up in other contracts. But for what the Rams were able to get in a guy like Robert Woods, in a guy like Connor Barwin, in a guy like Andre Whitworth, in a guy like uh, 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 Kayvon Webster, you know, they they got great value. Yes, and, you know, like you said, with great value, I, Robert Woods, if he can just stay value, healthy, that's great responsibility. the guy has all the talent in the world. So, yep. let you know, let's just hope he can stay let's healthy. Let's see how he fits in. Yeah, let's see how he fits in with Jared Goff. Maybe he and Goff grow together. Goff and Mike Thomas and 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 uh, I like Mike Thomas. I know Ben doesn't, but I like Mike Thomas. I think I think Mycin won me over on Mike Thomas. I gotta give credit where it's due. Mycin won me over. He put the argument in my head that pushed me. So, you know. Um, and lis- I, I listening to real quick listening to you guys talk about that young receiver core. Just thinking about. Really, the couple of Rams games that I saw last year, I mean, there's a lot of talent in all of these guys. They're young, but there's a lot of talent in a lot of them. I've seen McRoberts make plays at times, uh, Farrell Cooper, uh, Mike Thomas, you know. Yep. And then you add, like you said, we, you add Robert Woods. I mean... There's talent there, and, and the guy that everybody is loves to loves to, to to think he'll be the the next coming of Jesus in in Nelson Spruce. Right. Doesn't yeah, Nelson Spruce hasn't done anything, but no matter who you talk to, oh, Nelson Spruce is he's going to be amazing. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, you're 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 right, man. Um, in the interest of time, we'll we'll keep it short because this there's there's kind of a lot of material here. But I think you're dead on, man, Scott. You 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 close this podcast out perfectly by bringing up value. Whenever you enter free agency with sort of a limited cap space, which is what the Rams had, they weren't dead poor, but they weren't flush with cash. Um. You want to get value, and and the Rams certainly got value. If the players that they got play up to where they have been playing, then the Rams should be much better than they were. And in addition to the fact that that they signed Whitworth, that also came with the announcement that Greg Robinson's moving to the right side. Absolutely. So they've relieved him of the responsibility of, of... 
left tackle. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. I totally agree. And that is coming from a Niner fan who's obviously been very complimentary of the Rams free agent moves. So, you know, coming from yeah. obviously the perennial cellar dweller for the next, let's say, two years to maybe the, the second or third team if things shake out well for the Rams next year, I tip my cap to you guys. Ah, well, thank you, sir. And I think that ought to do it for this episode of uh, Turf Show Times uh, Radio. Uh, be sure, as always, to check out the site at Turf Show Times. We kind of did all of this in our other wrap-up, so I'll keep this one short. Just head on over to the site uh, and, and, and just keep heading back there for all your Rams news. And if that's where you've uh, found us or if you found us through iTunes, uh, yeah, head on over to TurfShowTimes.com, SB Nation's home for the Rams. Uh, we love to interact with people, man. Say what you will about other Rams reporters. We interact that, you know, like we are always interacting with, with, our, with our reader base. So come, come at us, tweet at us, get at us, counter our opinions, tell us why these free agent signings were crap, if you dare. Uh, but other than that, we will be back next week. And thank you to our uh, producer, Scott, who you can follow on Twitter at Sports Speaks, S P E A K S, Speaks. Um, and sports, like, you know, sports. We're discussing sports. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, please give him a follow on Twitter. You can find <laughs> Mycin on Twitter at Mighty or Mycin, M I S O N E. You can find me on Twitter at Fight on Twist. Um, and as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Blog Talk Radio and the host, SB Nation, uh, who kindly gives us the uh, domain that we use for Turf Show Times. So be sure to look up Turf Show Times, follow Turf Show Times on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have any questions, you can get at us. And uh, if not... We will see you back next week here on Turf Show Radio on SB Nation's home for the Los Angeles Rams, Turf Show Times. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.